0: This podcast episode is inspired by a real question that a stranger sent me on social media. The message has been slightly edited to ensure anonymity. No matter how dispassionate or large a vision of the world a woman formulates, whenever it includes her own experience and emotion, the telescopes turn back on her. Because emotion's just so terrifying— The world refuses to believe that it can be pursued as discipline, as form. Dear Dick, I want to make the world more interesting than my problems. Therefore, I have to make my problems social. Chris Krauss, from the book I Love Dick. I'm Ambivalently Yours, and this is Season 2 of Rebelliously Tiny, a podcast where each week my co-producer Hannah McCaslin and I invite a special guest to help us respond to one of the thousands of personal questions I've received on social media. In a world that teaches us that strength is loud, harsh, and masculine, this is a place for those of us whose struggle is both impossibly large and rebelliously tiny. Here's the question that inspired this week's episode. I'm about to finish a degree in writing and I'm struggling with my next step. What I really want to do is publish novels, but I worry that it won't pay the bills and I guess it never might. I'm worried that if I don't get into a field related to my degree, I'll never use it. Family are putting pressure on me to just get any job and get money coming in. What should I do? Okay. We're back! (laughs) Back in business. Back in business. So, here we are. It's me, ambivalently yours. And me, Hannah McCasland. And we are back at Obero, um, recording season two of the Rebelliously Tiny podcast. Yay! Yep, first day (laughs) back at Obero. So we wanted to start off the season um, with a bit of a recap of last year the last season and how we got to making season two and true to our regular form we're gonna frame this recap around a question that I received online so we chose this question uh, not because we know anything about publishing (laughs) because we definitely don't but I think the bigger question in this question is like how to balance like your passion and the work that you really want to do and how to make money and make a living and sometimes these things go together and sometimes they don't and we sort of began this conversation last season with Hannah and so we're just gonna keep going with it because it's a really big question that I'm not sure I have the answer to yet. (laughs)
1: Yeah no I don't I don't think either of us have the answer because it's a question both of us have right like we're both kind of trying to figure out how do we make money how do we do art how do we be feminists and balance it all right because the reality is that we do need to make money and it seems like this person is also struggling with that reality but they also really love writing just like we really love making podcasts (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: we decided to start our second season the same way we started our first with Hannah and I talking things out together. It was an opportunity for us to reflect on the past year and remind ourselves why it was important to us to make this podcast. After the success of season one of our podcast, Hannah and I decided that we wanted to try to make a second season. With a lot of enthusiasm and little know-how, we embarked on the terrifying and nebulous journey known as funding a creative project. We tried several venues, sent many emails, filled out long and unclear grant applications, and when everything failed, we finally decided to launch our first ever crowdfunding campaign in the fall of 2017. So the first season we recorded it because I had uh, money left over from a grant I got from Obero, so that meant that our recording time in the studio was paid for. Um, which allowed us to record it um, with really great sound quality. And so, but we really wanted to do a second season, but had no money. I guess we want to talk a little bit about what it was like to run a Kickstarter. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we have kind of mixed, or we had kind of a mixed experience doing it. Like it was really great and it helped us to get here, but it was also something that was actually really challenging um especially for you because you were really regularly posting about it and advertising it and doing all that work to get the news out that it was happening out to people and it was hard like (laughs) it was so hard (laughs) it wasn't just that you like make the page and put it up there and like money comes in and it's it's not like that and and I know we both also had a lot of questions about it and it's like weird to ask people for money like Yeah. Hard thing to do.
0: I guess I just naively didn't realize how hard it would be. Same, yeah. Because, like, the setting up, like, the technical, like, just setting up the Kickstarter was pretty simple. And, you know, we made a little video. We put our content together. And that was, like, it was a lot of work, but it was relatively easy. But then it's, like, as soon as it launched, it hit me that I am publicly asking people for money and if we don't reach our goal, I, am we, I and Hannah, we are both going to fail publicly. <laughs> and it's going to be really embarrassing. <laughs> um, yeah, and also it really made me have to reevaluate what my relationship with money and asking people to financially contribute to the work I do. Um, the work that we were doing um, I think sometimes as artists or creative people or feminists like we have this sense that we should just do work for free because it's for a good cause or it's like our passion and sometimes that's just not sustainable
1: yeah yeah absolutely and I mean yes we we made the season one with just the money for the studio and, and we didn't we didn't use money for any other expenses like welcoming guests to come and do each episode with us. Um, but I really I think we really thought through our values and what we wanted what we want for the podcast and for ourselves and for the other people that we collaborate with. I mean, we want to be here at Obero for a lot of reasons, but we also want to support Obero. We like we like you here. We want to be we want to contribute by supporting them and being here. And we want to also support all of the people who collaborate with us and come on as guests. And we also have dreams like transcribing the podcast so that it's more accessible. And we also yeah, it's that. I mean, I struggle with this so much too, like valuing my own time and, and feeling guilty when I think like I want to be paid for work that I'm doing just because either I enjoy it or it's art or it's part-time or whatever. And I kind of feel like shame sometimes when I find myself thinking like, I should be paid for this or I want to be paid for this. And I don't know why I have those feelings of guilt or shame and... It's kind of too bad. But yeah, I think it's kind of like a feminist thing that we were like, we wanna be able to pay people (laughs) like ourselves, the guests, Obero. We wanna be able to do that. So we really thought through why we needed this much money and why it was worth it to do the Kickstarter.
0: Yeah, and I mean throughout we got like mostly people were really supportive, but throughout like we got like some mixed responses, um, like someone approached me like via Instagram and was like oh you know like if you want like me and my community or my organization we can help you figure out how to do a podcast for way less money like you could do a simple podcast for even like $150 and I understand the good intention behind that but again there's like a cost to doing things always like on a shoestring budget Um, There's a cost to the fact that you're inevitably going to be asking other people to do work for free as well.
1: And yourself. And
0: you're going to ask yourself to do work for free. And you're constantly sort of you're constantly like not giving yourself like the value that. You need, yeah,
1: and it's like a hard thing to say out loud and to kind of confront. At least it was for me, because and yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so hard. I even saying it now, I feel like kind of I know, <laughs> like, I just feel like, it's like a terrible topic. <laughs> I hate talking about money, I hate money, I hate it, and I hated every minute of the Kickstarter. Yeah.
1: But also, um, thank you so much to everybody that donated. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was really, reward, like, really nice, and it wasn't even just the donations, it was, like, all the nice things that people were saying when they were commenting or um, responding otherwise, so.
0: Yeah, I'm really grateful to everyone who supported in every single way, even people who just, like, shared our campaign yeah. or liked our campaign or, um, you know, told—because I know that, like, not everyone is financially can give money, and, you know— I totally get that. Um, so to give you like a tally, um, after all the Kickstarter fees and stuff, we made a total of four thousand six hundred and seventy-eight dollars and twenty-four cents <laughs> in Canadian dollars for <laughs> <our> <laughs> listeners from everywhere else, um, and that was from one hundred and nineteen backers. So amazing Um, and so I guess just to be as transparent as we can, that money is going to be used, so part of the money was to pay for like the Kickstarter fees and the the rewards that we like buying the rewards and shipping them out Um, we were also able to buy a, a nice little digital recorder that gives us a bit more Flexibility to record conversations with people when they can't make it into the studio. Um, also, a very special shout out to Andrew from Moo Audio who helped us. Um, <laughs> who was very kind. Um, so helpful. <laughs> we were very intimidated working walking into an audio store. Yeah. Um,
1: he made us feel a lot more confident about our purchases.
0: Yes. Um. I, we really appreciated that. Um. Because. It does seem like a bit of a male-dominated industry, the sound world. Yeah. Um, But he did not make us feel like we didn't belong there. So that was really nice. So we got some equipment. Um, We also... The major chunk of the money is going to pay for our studio time here at Obero, which is um, an artist-run center in Montreal that um, basically gives artists the opportunity to rent studio time and equipment, and they have a really great staff that help us figure out how to use all these things. Um, in particular, very thankful to Stéphane Claude, who has been, um, helping us every step of the way of this podcast. Um, also another part of the expense is for us to pay all of our guests, A small stipend um, just for their emotional labor um, to acknowledge that when they come here and talk to us about all these things and help us answer these questions, that they're doing work and that they have expertise and that we value that. Uh, We're also going to be able to pay Greg Barkley to make a few new, um, some more music for us to use in the podcast um, he made the music from season one. he's also the partner to Laura from season one um, really great musician super nice person so we're very excited that we can have more of his music. We're also gonna feature some music um, from some local talent that you'll hear later this season um, and yeah and then the rest of the money will go to pay Henna for her all of her, hard work that has been a hundred percent volunteer the whole first season and I think even just like the symbolic gesture of having a little bit of money f- to pay for the work that we do, I think it's really important and we're really grateful to everyone who participated in the Kickstarter and, and supported us. Um,
1: yeah yeah, yeah, thanks thanks everybody. Well, should we? Uh address like a certain part of the question um yeah
0: so let's talk about this question um about like how to get to like your dream job like (laughs) i feel like how to get to your dream job i think like the first lesson that i've learned is that it's not going to be the path that you think it's going to be right and it's not going to be
1: like this is a cliche but like it's not going to be easy like um we don't know if publishers care about your past jobs or whatever what your background is um but chances are like you're writing whatever type of work that you're doing artwork or whatever will probably be rejected a few times um I mean, I know, like, we didn't get the grant that we applied for, and so that was us kind of facing rejection, and it was, like, really sad and hard, but I know we both still feel, like, really motivated to to keep working and keep going. So, yeah, I mean, I'm wondering every single day how how to get to my dream job and how to make it happen, but I guess what I've learned in the past year or two is that there's definitely gonna be rejection and it's not gonna be super easy and as you're saying it's not gonna look like what you think it's gonna look like
0: as an artist i've gotten a lot more rejections than approvals or and i think that's and i think if you're doing any creative work you just have to you just have to learn not to be completely defeated by those rejections um you can be upset and take the time to be upset about them don't just like pretend they didn't happen like you can be upset but don't let that like defeat you because there's so many reasons why you could be rejected sometimes it's just the person you're reaching out to it's not the right fit um and then sometimes you just need to like create your own platforms and I think that's the nice thing about podcasts and I think that's something even with writing with the internet now like you can create different platforms for yourself and you can get your writing out there um in so many different ways yeah and you just have to kind of be flexible about that um and just be hopeful and and also be very wary of people who want you to do work for free (laughs) I think um it's something I've learned the hard way um people are gonna ask you to do work for free a lot Because they'll be like, you know, this is a great opportunity for you. And sometimes it might be. And I'd say, if you are going to do work for free, do it for organizations that you really believe in. But that can't pay you. But that you know can't pay you. If, like, a company (laughs) approaches you to do work for free, they can pay you. Companies that make money can pay you. They're just, like, trying to bank on the fact that you don't have a lot of experience not to. Um, So if you're going to do it for free, do it for organizations like nonprofits that actually can't pay you but would like to but will support you in other ways.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's frustrating because if your dream job or your passions are related to art, feminism, activism, unfortunately, these are things that just aren't well invested in. And they're not things that they're not usually organizations or individuals that have a lot of money. Um, and of course this is even more complicated by like race and gender and unfortunately, even in those fields, it's still there's still a higher chance that you're going to be paid if you're a cis white man. <laughs> and so that that adds a whole other layer of, of frustration. like something that really resonates with me in this question is they're like, well, should I, dishwash so that I can be making money and um, have this like part-time job that I can go home and and still write after and and plan my writing and still pursue that and oh it's like such a struggle because we do need to be making this money and then you're tired and you're busy and and how do you have that balance between pursuing what you want to do and having a job and I know for me, like, that's a, a question that I'm thinking about every day now. Do I, you know, take the first job that comes at me and, and just hope that I have time and energy on the side to do this? Um, and even though this is what I value more and what I want to really be doing and what I want to be turning into a career, um, how do you, yeah, how do you balance that? And um I think one thing, and we've talked about this in a lot of our conversations, uh, both last season and even in ones that we've started to have this season, is it can be so helpful to, like, find another person. Like, I know, um, like, with us, I remember you put you put a post for, like, want to be my intern? And I saw it, and at the time I was like, this is a chance. Like, <laughs> I, I have been so interested in your artwork and similar feminist artwork, like, And I I genuinely did not think I would even hear back. I was like, probably they're getting so many messages. (laughs) Like, but whatever, what's to lose, right? And it was, like, the best thing ever. Like, now we've made this podcast because I sent that email. Mm -hmm. And I think it's super helpful to have someone to be working with because, you know, so I don't know, like, if you can join, like, a writer's club or, like a writer's workshop or even just like if you have friends or people that you know that like to write um or another thing I guess would be like reach out to someone that you admire like a a writer that you admire even if you're like oh they would never respond to me like you don't know maybe maybe they would um and if not what nothing to lose right so yeah I think like having a mentor can be really helpful having a friend can be really helpful and Um, So that even if you are, if you do have to take that job to make money, which is, like, totally, sometimes you got to do that, um, that you have someone that's, like, reminding you of your passions and that's encouraging you and that's working
0: with you. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm so glad that that we're doing this together, this podcast. It would have been... So scary, Oh, especially the Kickstarter I I've been alone <laughs> <laughs> without being able to text Hannah like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, just to have another person and, you know, for Hannah and I, our relationship, our working relationship and our friendship has like really grown because of this project through this project um, as we've learned to like work with each other. Um, and highlight each other's strengths. And it's so invaluable to have a community and to not feel isolated. And especially, you know, as women, we're taught to compete with one another, but to instead, like, work together is really helpful. Like, there's a reason that in a patriarchy, we're taught to compete with other women because it keeps us down when we do that. And so... Don't do that.
1: Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> do that.
0: yeah. Um, so last season when you and I spoke, Hannah, you were sort of almost finishing school and it was a really terrifying time for mm-hmm. you. <laughs> <laughs> terrifying is the word, yes. <laughs> so I was wondering if you could give our listeners like an update on life post-graduation.
1: Yeah, um, so it's it's kind of funny because when we recorded the season, uh, the season one episode, I was at a point where I really didn't know what was next, and then at, once I graduated, I was really lucky and things kind of fell into place and I had a job, but now I'm actually right back at that same position where I don't know what's coming next. I'm at another one of those kind of um, ending, beginning places, so... Um, I think it was really helpful for me once I stopped constantly wondering what was coming next before I graduated and putting pressure on myself to have everything planned out. And I kind of like took a step back and not to say that I was never actively looking for jobs or pursuing things that I was interested in or doing research, but Just to kind of say, like, I can only do so much. I'm just going to take a step back and stop worrying so much about what I'll be doing. It was, like, really, really helpful. Um, And then once I graduated, it just so happened that an organization I had been volunteering for, uh, a nonprofit that I had been volunteering for, had a job open up. So I was super lucky, and I've been working in that job for almost a year now. Um, and it's been really rewarding to work at a nonprofit. It's a feminist nonprofit in Montreal that um, promotes women's inclusion in local urban governance and policy making, and urban design and architecture. So the idea is to make cities more accessible and and safer for for all women and all people overall, obviously. So. I definitely was like really lucky that it just so happened when I graduated that there was a job because, as we've talked about, there's not a ton of money when it comes to feminist work and nonprofit work. So that's why I'm at this point again where I don't really know what's coming next because we don't have we don't have money anymore. So I have to get a new job. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so I spent the year. I stayed on in Montreal, which had, it was a decision I sometimes felt, um, I guess like ashamed about because a lot of people were also graduating around me and would talk about how excited they were to move to all these new, bigger cities and New York City, or they were going to travel all over the world after they graduated. And. Sometimes I felt a little like, oh, I'm just, like, staying where I've been. Is that is that bad? Am I choosing the easier option? Am I taking the easy way out? Um, but those thoughts are, like, not productive and not helpful. And I'm also a full believer that there can be so many different priorities when we make these decisions. And remaining in a community that you feel safe and supported by is, like, just as valid a priority as whatever career or travel or whatever else you're you're prioritizing um and and also I was prioritizing this podcast I mean I really wanted to see what was going to happen with it and I'm so happy that I've been here to be able to like work with you on it and to be here right now so there was a lot of a lot of really good things about about staying in Montreal and I feel so lucky that I've had a very supportive feminist first work environment it's been really nice and I'm, I'm honestly a little <laughs> like scared if I think maybe my next job won't be in such an environment but it's it was definitely like a privilege to to be in that position um yeah and it was really great because I also had an opportunity to travel a little bit myself for the job so um ambivalently yours was <laughs> uh well aware of my anxieties about just kind of up in very it was very last minute and up in traveling to malaysia for a conference and i was like oh my god i'll be all alone and it's just for work and everything was so last minute because because money and funding and there not being so much of it so um but it was a another really amazing opportunity that just like just just happened. So I guess that's another another little bit of advice is like saying yes to things sometimes. Um so even if it's like super scary or if you don't think it's going to work out or that it's going to happen, just there's certain things just like say yes to them. <laughs> and same with like when I responded to your post. Like sometimes you just got to like say yes or put yourself out there and then that way it'll help you have some options. But also no one to say no. For example, to people who don't want to pay you.
0: <laughs> sometimes you listen to your instincts and sometimes your instincts are just scared. So you just need <laughs> yeah. to like, keep going.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's like another thing about like writing or making a podcast or making art is it's like a little more scary because it's so personal and it's got your name on it. And so, yeah, I guess that's one thing we could tell this person is like, if you're scared to put your writing out there in any way, like, don't be do it
0: yeah I mean it's vulnerable like being, yeah. doing any sort of like creative project is very it's a very vulnerable kind of thing to do and but vulnerability can be like a really wonderful place too mm-hmm. um, and I think a lot of people relate to that to vulnerability so so yeah I think you just have to kind of be brave but also take care of yourself too but be brave and Kind of just go for it. Um, In one of our Kickstarter communications, Hannah recently wrote,
1: Through Rebelliously Tiny, we aim to make safe spaces for people to talk through their thoughts and feelings, ones that might not always be easily categorizable or acceptable in mainstream media, but that we think deserve more time and space. We hope these conversations will bring comfort offer advice and different insights in response to the questions sent to ambivalently yours. The long-form nature of podcasting allows for more nuanced conversations about difficult topics that can at times be reduced to one-liners on social media. Our podcast is testament to the value in these conversations.
0: Yeah, and I think another thing about this podcast is it was another way for me to give importance to all the messages that people write to me it was just really it's really nice to be able to share these questions with other people that I know will be able to relate to them and to give these questions like a platform that shows how important I think they are and so um yeah so I hope that like for all the people who write to me um that That you understand like how much it means to me and how important i think it is even if i can't like get back to you um like they're all all of the questions are are important and, and i that's really what i hope that this podcast sort of conveys and i hope that for the people listening it allows you to sort of like maybe feel less alone or to hear from people that get it or you know that get you that it's just that, like, wonderful feeling when someone else says something and you're like, yes, I get it. I I know what you mean. I know exactly how that feels. Or even if you don't know exactly how that feels, like, by hearing someone else's story who's different from yours, you know, you're, you're sort of, like, embellishing your own experience or you're understanding your own experience better. Um, yeah, so for me, like, I just want to keep building these platforms for people to talk about things that we think are important and because I think in our society the voices that are prioritized aren't always the ones that should be (laughs)
1: yeah yeah absolutely the voices and the stories that are prioritized definitely don't reflect the reality of a lot of people's experiences and unfortunately it Definitely reflects the capitalist patriarchy, white supremacist <laughs> patriarchy, um, and I, I completely agree. I mean, just yeah, they're really nice spaces for important conversations. So yeah, it's really nice, and and I completely agree as well that hearing other people say, "Oh yeah, me too. I feel that way too," is like so feels really good Mm -hmm. I remember when we put out the first episode that like the one with us talking and a couple people were like oh my god I'm also graduating like same and it just so happened that we published the episode like in early June which is when a lot of graduations happen Mm -hmm. and like the first couple comments I saw saying that I was so just like relieved and encouraged and less scared because I was also very nervous about putting it out in the world (laughs)
0: In her book, The Cultural Politics of Emotion, Sarah Ahmed wrote, the response to the dismissal of feminists as emotional should not then be to claim that feminism is rational rather than emotional. Such a claim would be misguided, as it would accept the very opposition between emotions and rational thought that is crucial to the subordination of femininity as well as feminism. Instead, we need to contest this understanding of emotion as the unthought, just as we need to contest the assumption that rational thought is unemotional, or that it does not involve being moved by others.
1: So, just a quick update. Uh, This is Hannah speaking, and it's about um, a few weeks since we recorded at Obero, the episode between um, Ambivalently Yours and I, Um, and today I was actually, I was listening to the episode again because we're back in the studio recording our voiceover narration for the season, and I was listening to the episode again, and it was just apparent to me how much things have changed since we recorded it, Um, and in the episode, you know, we talked a lot about our careers and, and jobs, and what it means to kind of make changes in our lives and and pursue our passions. And I wanted to give a quick update on how uh, how I'm doing and what has changed in my life, because actually a lot has since then. Um, so first and foremost, I got a job. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually about to be fully employed with a salary, which has never happened to me before. I've never been... Um, Yeah, like a full-time benefits, vacation time, salary situation. Um, But one thing that has become apparent to me, obviously this is really exciting and I'm so relieved because last time we were recording on this topic, I had no idea how I was going to be having an income. So I'm feeling really relieved and really excited, but I'm also still still feeling that precarity of how do I know what's coming next how do I know that I'm making the right decision in terms of moving towards whether you want to call it a career whether you want to call it your your interests and your passions I still have no idea I still have no idea if I'm doing the right thing I still have no idea if I'm going to want to stick in this new position I'm going to be taking on for a long time So yeah, I guess it's just a testament to how even when we maybe the things that we think are what we need, maybe they still leave us feeling um, feeling a bit uncertain about the future and still uncertain if we're making the right the right step in making a step in the right direction.
0: There are many people we would like to thank for helping us support season two of the Rebelliously Tiny podcast. Here are a few of them who contributed directly to our Kickstarter campaign. Brianna, Lara, Kate, Nadine, Vicky, Gabby, Linda, Laura, Michelle, Morgan, Lisa, Phoebe, Lizanne, Cloak, Dana, Ivy, Bethy, Lauren, Doug, Laura, Emma Catotron, Penny, C.S. Elaine, Sarah, Portia, Cheyenne, Victoria, Kaylee, Maya, Chloe, Brianna, Ronald, Kathleen, Milan, Isabel, Valerie, Mallory, Chloe Marie, Tyler T., Mary, Autumn, Teresa, Ariel, Charlotta, Lou, Wendy, Emily, Cole, Danielle, Bianca, Elizabeth, Laura, Matthew, Tanya, Raphael, Brian, Carol, Daniel, Catherine, Sayard, Abby, George, James, Cricket, Michelle, Nolan, Mildred, Isaline, Anna, Agnes, Elisa, Carolyn, Colin, Roslyn, Saul, Peyton, Fiona, Marjolaine, Stephanie, Laura, Grace, Laura, Yolande, Iris, Patrick, Abe, Joanne, and Graham. (laughs) rebelliously tiny was written produced and edited by me ambivalently yours and co-produced and co-written by hannah mccasland the music is by greg barkley this episode was recorded at obero artist run center in montreal with technical support from stéphane claude a special thanks to the entire team at obero for their kindness and support To learn more about my work and this podcast, please visit ambivalentlyyours.com or follow us on social media at rebelliouslytiny on Instagram and Facebook at rebellioustiny on Twitter. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit an anonymous question of your own, please send us an email at rebelliouslytiny at gmail.com or email us an audio recording of your question. You can also DM us on any of our social media accounts. If you would like to support our podcast, please share it with your friends and subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to make a financial contribution, please email us at rebelliouslytiny at gmail.com. This season is entirely listener supported, and we are eternally grateful to everyone who shared and contributed to our Kickstarter campaign in the fall of 2017. Thank you.